I think the most exciting benefit is the last one, which was one. Yeah, since you've left, I'm in, in one life you can become a Buddha. And it makes sense if, if, if karma is true, for you to achieve a place where everyone around you was holy and all the world around you was something paradise, then you would have to do some kind of a virtue that affected everyone. That's the only way it could happen, karmically. You would have to do some kind of virtue, you have to have some kind of state of mind that, that was virtuous towards everyone around, everyone in the world, for you to experience that kind of result, period. And if, so if you can't get bodhicitta, you cannot become enlightened in this life. Impossible. You cannot live in a world which, uh, in which everything in the world was paradise for you. Yeah, it would be impossible. It is impossible. It's a without which nothing, right? I mean, you cannot have Buddhahood without bodhicitta, period. Well, what I'm doing is explaining why. You see what I mean? I mean, even karmically speaking, if you don't have an attitude that affects all living beings, uh, you can never live in a place where all living beings to you are, are angels or whatever. It would be impossible, logically impossible. Uh, yeah. You say that if you have an attitude of beneficial karma towards a select group of people, that you can live in paradise with a select no. group of people? No, you'd live in a world where, you know, some of the people were nice to you. You know, isolate. Yeah, no, that's the way. You're talking about full enlightenment. You're not talking about the, sure. The that's what we mean. Our hot nirvana. No, right. That's nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I'm lower nirvana. It's not full for it to occur in this life, for you, you have one door out of here before you die, and that you have to go to time. You know, that's the only way. Otherwise, you will die, and you'll go through this again, uh, and you won't be able to find a body like like uh, a diamond body. It never happened. So you have one door to get into that door. Logically, <coughs> karmically, you have to have some kind of virtue that affects everything around you. Otherwise, it, it, it can't happen. It could not happen, logically, from what you already know about karma. And you will study it deeper. And you will then you'll really see why it cannot occur if you don't have that state of mind. It will never occur. That's why it's uh, silly to go to all these initiations and, I mean, what will really trigger it is that virtue and not any, it's a good to have a blessing from Allah, but if you, obviously if you don't have that particular virtue, it's impossible. It will never, it cannot happen. Uh, so it doesn't matter, you know, you can run around to all these initiations, but uh, if you don't have that particular virtue, it's, it's logically impossible for it to happen, and it won't happen. And you can see many people that it didn't happen to, apparently. Okay. So in terms of taking initiations, would you guys don't bother? No, no, the great blessing. But if you don't go in with the three principal paths, and particularly if you don't flower, if you don't water those flowers with the three principal paths, it's impossible. It won't have any result. It'll be nice, it'll have a small blessing on you. Maybe in 20,000 lives, you might win <laughs> Whatever. But uh, not much, it cannot have much effect. Uh, it, it's like throwing a seed into a the desert. You know? it's, yeah, it's possible something could grow. It won't last. It won't be strong. It's, it's logically impossible. You already know that. 
uh, it has logically you have to do something which affects all beings in the world, or it won't work. It cannot. It cannot work. So we're going to go through the uh, methods of generating uh, or the methods of getting bodhicitta, because now you know you need it, uh, and it's in your text. Um, I, I'll give you the Tibetan page if you want to follow. It's on the whole thing that we're going to do today is on page forty-five in the Tibetan. And I'll draw that number forty-five. <laughs> Five looks like a four. It screwed me up for years. Uh, so be careful. And there are two methods for getting bodhicitta. Two two methods for achieving this state of mind. And it's a very special state of mind. It's, it's the wish for boyhood, but the day you get it, you'll know. It'll be like a dynamite. You know, it's not an uh, easy thing. It's a very difficult thing uh, to to get it. So the first step. The first of the two methods is called the. If you get too warm, you can turn it on. If you, if you get too warm. So please say, Dakshin. There are two ways to get bodhicitta in your heart, two ways to get uh, the wish for enlightenment. This is the first one. Dak means, do you know what Dak? Dak means? Yeah. I. Yeah, I. Me. Shin is the opposite. Self and others. Others. All others. Dark means self. Shin means others. Other people. Other beings. Nyan means uh, equal. And J means exchange. This is a meditation, they, what they call exchanging self and others. Uh, and it was particularly strong, taught by Shantideva. And uh, it's it's sort of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It's pretty much that. It's a little more complicated, but it's that uh, you you pretend you are the other person, and you try to imagine what he wants, uh, and not what you want. And you try to. I try to pretend I'm your Jira, and I'm sitting in the chair, and Michael is talking, and. Uh, I'm hoping he doesn't go too late this time, and uh, I hope he speaks more slowly, and I hope he says something clear. And so I, if I have Dakshin Nyamje, I pretend I'm you. I try to think what you're thinking, and I try to do things to, to serve you, to make you happy, not make me happy. I, I pretend, I put your happiness it's actually, it's not exchanging self and others, it's exchanging your happiness and my happiness. I put your happiness in as my number one job. I'm worried about your happiness. Yeah. So I trade. You give me your happiness, I give you my happiness. So you expect mine to, to, no. to do your so happiness? I'm only worrying about, I'm only thinking what you would like. I'm only thinking what, what would make you happy. No, not in this meditation like that. It's more that I just, it's not that I change myself with her, which is what the words, you know, people translate it as exchanging self and others. It's exchanging my concern for myself with, with a concern for herself. So that I'm worried about what makes you happy. I'm thinking about what makes you happy. I trade my 
thinking about what makes me happy than thinking about what makes you happy. And I'm, I'm worrying about, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think what does Udira need right now? What does she want right now? What will make her happy right now? And of course, the worrying mostly about ultimate happiness. How, how can I stop Rujira from dying? You know, how can I stop Rujira from getting sick? How can I help her get away from her sometime? In that, and I, I'm worrying about that. I'm thinking about that. that's exchanging myself. Yeah. Um, you just started to touch on my question. Um, the emphasis should be on the ultimate happiness, right? If somebody, for instance, uh, got their way by lying all the time, and, and then they were happy about that because they were putting themselves ahead. You don't mean to sit there and, and contemplate, geez, you know, how can I help this person lie even more or something like that. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, I want to make you happy in a real way, not not little happy. Little happy is maybe I give you some money, or I give you some food or something like that. So I, I'm trying to think what will really help you, you know, what will get you out of your own samsara. But, Michael, uh, I don't know, because the, the wish to help others it has to be together with the skillful means, like what they say, right? To use, to be skillful in anything. Otherwise, it turns into a disaster. Even if it happens to me, you know, you try to talk Dharma to some people, and then a month later, this, what, what you said about Dharma, with good intention, maybe it turns into something awful that generate I, I, uh, our trip, so I don't know. What do you say to him? Think about karma, laws of karma. Answer him according to the laws of karma. Um, well, I think your motivation has a lot to do with it. I mean, you're generally trying to help someone. No, somebody had a disaster. As a result of your teaching okay. Someone had a disaster because they misinterpreted what you said, or because you were saying that you taught it incorrectly? You think it no, let's say you taught it correctly. They, they, they still had a bad yeah. result. It's from their side. I see, and they still had a. Well, the result isn't the result isn't connected to his teaching of the no, Dharma. It has no nothing connection. to do with it. it has something no to do with something much more. Teaching the Dharma is a, is a good deal. It must have a pleasant karmic result. The definition of a good deal. And if they have a bad result from it, it cannot come from teaching the Dharma. It's just like lying to make money in business. It's the same thing. Right. So we're telling your wife the truth, and she gets angry at you. Yeah, when they <laughs> to be skilled, it seems that you need some special skill, even in talking down, even well, in they say, people. They say, ultimately, you can't teach Dharma unless you're up I mean, ultimately, you don't know. You can't really help other people until you're a Buddha. Because a Buddha can read the other person's mind. He can see their future lives. He can see their past lives. He knows exactly what will be the best thing to say. In fact, he doesn't even think like that. Whatever he says is automatically the best thing to say because of his virtue. So ultimately, yeah, you, the ultimate skillful means is to be a Buddha, and that's why you have to have bodhicitta. There's an argument in, in, in the debate ground whether you can even help anybody without being Sometimes seems like I don't know, Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> talking about, with people about Dharma, sometimes it seems like talking with drunkard, and the, the next week maybe they switch around and they say, 
what did you tell me about that thing and you gave it as a secret or something like this and it turned into something nice? Um, but there's a thing, there's a thing that you'll study when you reach debating, when we do, uh, when we do logic, which I should be done in the next course, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to lose everything. <laughs> <laughs> logic is hard. I mean, logic is dry. Uh, we have to do it first. Before we're allowed to study scripture, we're supposed to do logic. What's a good reason? Um, but actually, when you study that, maybe in the third or fourth course, uh, you're not allowed to present an argument to a person if he doesn't already accept every part of it. But he just didn't figure out the conclusion yet. It's very interesting. I'm not allowed to debate with you uh, if you don't already accept what I'm telling you, but you just didn't see the connection. That's very interesting. Not allowed to teach you anything that that makes you have to jump or have faith or or believe in me because then I can tell you anything. You'll go out and talk to the next guy who says that uh, killing is a virtue, and uh, you'll do it. But you first have to discover whether or not somebody does accept it. You, so you have to go down, 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 down until you reach his, what he believes, right. and then you have to build from that. You're not allowed to start a debate up here if his beliefs right. are down there. You have to go down to his beliefs. Way, way down to his basic something that he can accept himself, that he already accepts himself. And then you have to build your argument up from there. And if you if you jump ahead, and you if he's supposed to draw a conclusion, if he's supposed to agree with you before he's reached the the good reasons for it, it's it's a it's my I'm giving you bad logic. I'm not teaching you right. It's very interesting. I'm 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 guilty according to the rules of logic. I try to teach well, so you. that's teaching to capacity in a way. Yeah, that's I mean, teaching it's the same concept. So, no, no, no. I mean, what? Yeah, yeah, right, getting down to right, that. right. And if I don't do that, the fallacy, the co the conclusion is not true according to Buddhism. Isn't that interesting? Because if there's I no don't take the argument down to your beliefs, the argument is false. It's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, trying to prove emptiness logically to Chandrakirti is, 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 is an incorrect argument, for example. It's very interesting. It's one of the seven fallacies of logic. I can't try to prove something to someone who already believes it. If I try, I'm speaking a, a mistruth. My statement is not logical. It's very interesting. There was, that's, that's a mundane thing that comes to my mind right now, but Friedrich Nietzsche, the philosopher, yes. said that thinking, people think that thinking is really is a, a way of feeling more than ever, you know, so you feel in a certain way, as for you start thinking in a certain way, it's not just the reverse, like most yeah, people yeah. think, yeah, yeah. so it seems that to plug in into the Dharma, you have to have some sort of sensitivity that nobody can build on you, you know, like this, automatically, you have to be ready in a certain way to absorb these teachings, yeah. otherwise you don't get them, you yeah, know, you people, especially if you have teachers that but they don't have any skillful means. Like, There's a famous uh, yeah. thing about the, the sun. The lotus doesn't open until the sun comes up. Like I mean, the Buddha, if the person's not ready, the Buddha will not come to that world. If no one's ready, that's one of the reasons given for why the Buddha pretended to die. Because there was nobody in the world that could, that could grasp what he was saying at that point any longer. That's, that's one of the problems. Isn't it said somewhere that if, if you really try to teach or present Dharma, 
you're not a good teacher, this or not virtue is not virtue. If you're doing the service to the Dharma, you're actually giving people incorrect views and correct information. I think only time I can remember anything like that is in the Bodhisattva Dance. Like if you teach, for example, emptiness uh, to a person who's not yet ready, and especially if you teach secret Buddhism to someone who's not ready, that's, yeah, if you hurt them. That's, yeah, I know that, but I thought it was just on a very general level. I, I can't remember that. You misrepresent food. Yeah, if it's not too dull for it. Well, if it were, we couldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. You okay? Okay, let's go. I'd be. Yeah, on the meditation, extending self and others. For their ultimate happiness. That yeah, may, no, that you can even, start with small ones. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying. If, and it's appropriate. Back to the, the business person who who is very happy because they lie all the time and they think they're getting ahead. Yeah. That meditation might result in you uh, thinking about them in a way that will temporarily make them feel hurt rather than happy, which is to try to get them off the uh, addiction of lying. And they don't see that right away, so they might feel, oh my gosh, my lies are being uncovered. You know, ultimately that yeah. will help them, that, that sorrow about that may help them. Yeah. So, right? This is cool. Yeah. Okay. So we go. Um, this is presented in Shantideva. It is fantastic in that book. I mean, were you there when we were taking that? Know, but Which one? It's in, when you taught it in Shantideva. Yeah, last um, summer, a couple of summers ago. Like, yeah, years ago. And it took like, he taught it for like eight years or something. I mean, the whole book. And, and you, uh, you get, if you get good at this, you get confused who you are. <laughs> you know, if you meditate on this well, you start to get, am I friend or am I Michael, you know, you start to, because all I'm thinking about is what you want, and what's good for you, and I begin to forget about myself. Uh, karma of that is funny, the karma of that is that I get whatever I want. Uh, it's funny, you know, really you try to help them, but the harder you try to help someone else, the karma of that is that you, you start to get pleasant results. Yeah, this statement, does it, is it correct to relate it to the fact that this, the sense of the self is full, sense for, you know, most of the time in my life I always thought me is me, but it's not me, it's anybody else. So the, the fact that the identity is really a false principle to start. It's, it's a start, you can start like that, but the meaning of self, which we'll do next week, has a different meaning. It's not what you normally think. When Buddhism says no self, it, it's a very uh, delicate question, and we'll talk about it next week. But it's not what you think. Uh, and, you know, if we all survive till next week, you'll find out. The idea, for example, the word for self, the table has that. I should say the table doesn't have that. You see? It's really the, the self-nature, I think. It's not the identity of a person, Nitya or Michael or something like that. It's not that. And we'll talk about it. We'll get to it next week. Okay, so Dakshin and Yamjai, we're not going to talk about And you don't have to know it. Okay? <laughs> no. Uh, this book concentrates on the second method. Okay, this is the first method. I think Western people find the first method easier and more attractive. Um, but I've found that go go work on a method that doesn't seem that it would be naturally good for you and some, sometimes you find very incredible results. So we're going to work on the second method. And the book, in the book he doesn't teach this. He says, he says you can get Buddhahood 
either way. And he says, means you will. You will get uh, bodhicitta. If you use either method, either method you want to use, it's okay. You will definitely get bodhicitta. Okay? We're not going to use that one so much. That's, again, that's from Shantideva. And in this course, in this five-year course, we will, we will uh, cover his book. It will probably take two or three courses. We will cover the Bodhicamitana, the uh, Bodhisattva's way of life. Okay? We'll, we'll do the book. We'll do the whole book. And we'll do it. It's nice. Yeah, it's really nice. And it, if you need one book in your life, that's... If you need one book for your uh, office, right? <laughs> That's the one. Is is this method is this method the same as the loving gaze? No. That's a different, different. means. Okay. And he doesn't get into it because it's No, he says it's secret. Okay. Here's the second method. Michael, what you said before about uh, when you go to help other people and benefit the people before yourselves, you naturally have whatever you need to come back to you. Even, is that even at the mundane level, if you're not working to help homeless people, say, you know, Yeah. Even at that mundane level? Yeah. It's especially, I mean, it takes time, right? Yeah. At the quickest, it can happen later in your life. You know, unless it's some incredibly powerful person. But normally, uh, in fact, you see that in, in, you know, where you see that explanation is in the tantric writings of, who was the Lama to the Emperor of China and uh, brought Buddhism, helping Buddhism to Mongolia. But who is, he's by the way, a monk. I mean, he was a former Lama. So it's very interesting. You know, his commentary on the secret teachings is, it gives to what I've seen is the most beautiful presentation of how that happens. So please say Gyunde. Gyu, which is without the na sound. Na sound comes from this, but I don't, I'm not going to go into it much. Gyu means cause. Cause. J means result. Mengat means advice. Personal advice. So this meditation is called an advice. What's dun? Dun means seven, number seven. Oh, okay. So this way to get bodhicitta, and you can do it. If you try it, you'll get it. If you don't try it, you won't get it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Leng nyepa. Leng nyepa. Leng ma chepa Right? What's that mean? Remember? Ma chepa dam ma chepa. Ma che? Ma che. If you don't do, you don't get the result. <laughs> That's a principle of karma. You know that. You learned it. Okay. If you don't, I promise. If you don't do it, you won't get it. If you what do, if you did it a long time ago? You can sit now and just wait for the result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can everybody have that? Yes. Men, men, is that one person or one advice or nothing? One person. It's not personal. Oh no, it doesn't like not like that. Not does mean speech. But Menak is an idiom. It doesn't have a real break. You can't really break it down. So, can you give us that in like a sentence? One. Yeah, it is this. It is the 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 advice of seven steps for 
training yourself in bodhicitta. And those seven steps are, are cause and effect. Each one causes the next one. That's the big meaning of cause and effect. But we're going to see. It's a little bit more complicated than that. The, the, I think I wrote in the, I don't know how we translate it, this seven step cause construction. And cause and effect. Method. Seven part cause and effect instruction. Okay. You will be happy to know all you guys don't care so much. The Tibetan track students are very thrilled with this whole thing only two or three words in each step. <laughs> <laughs> they almost died on these six. Uh, I lost a couple of people. <laughs> And they sat down and they, they started writing and then they just looked at me like one, one or two of them just fell asleep because they spent like six, seven hours trying to write. I guess it was a little too much. It's the first time I ever taught this course, so I, I don't I have to learn to, how to judge how much you think I guess. Okay, please say Marche. 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 Ma, the ma without the ra, means mama. Same in every language. Mother. Ra, the ra there, means as, as your mother. And she means recognize. She means recognize. I'm going to spend a little time on this, because if you don't, if I don't, the rest won't come. Because this is cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. You have, this one has to be there before the rest can trigger. And it's very difficult. Uh, it's called recognizing that everyone has been your mother. It's very, very difficult. Especially for people in Western countries who... We, we grew up thinking that you, you know, one life to live, Miller light, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I mean uh, to accept this, you have to accept that you had a past life. Not only that, you have to accept that your past lives are countless. That there's no beginning to your past lives. To accept this first one, without the first one, you can't have the other six, right? Uh, you must accept that you had a past life, and you must accept that that one had a past life, that that one had a past life, and that that one had a past life, that there's no beginning. And I've, I've read a lot of scriptures about it, and the main one is the Pramanavartika of Dharma Kirti, second chapter. We debate it every winter for a month, and uh, in there he says, and in the Lamrim, Chemo, he says there's only one proof for past lives. I mean, you can say I remember your past life, he says you can't really accept that as proof. I mean, some extraordinary people may remember. We can't accept it because we can't see that. As I said, it's not, it's not a good argument for us because we don't believe in the parts of his statement. There's no way for us to con confirm what he's saying. Uh, there's only one way for a non-Buddha or a non a person without uh, 
good understanding of emptiness, a direct understanding of emptiness, to see his past lives. And that's with logic. You cannot see your past lives directly at this point. Uh, and then if you say you believe in past lives, and you don't know this argument, uh, according to Buddhism, you're, you're lying, you don't know what you're saying. Not lying, but you, you really don't understand what you're saying. And it's a big uh, thing in Buddhism. When, we, when you study logic, you'll see, as a, if you're a Buddhist uh, scholar, if you're a Buddhist thinker, you're not allowed to say something is true if you haven't seen it. Uh, with logic, at least with logic, at least with reasoning, if you haven't seen it, you're not, a, you're not allowed to say, I believe in a Buddha. You've never seen a Buddha. You don't know he exists. Uh, you, you've never seen your past lives. You don't know if they exist. You have some feeling that you think is true, but it's no more than a feeling or, or a little bit of logic there. You might as well say you believe in God, uh, which according to Buddhism doesn't exist. So, so you have to be careful. So what is the proof for past lives? It's very, very simple, and, it's, and according to all the books, it's very hard to believe. It's very hard to see. You have to think about it. You won't believe it the first time it's there. And, and Buddhism says you won't, you shouldn't, and you won't. So don't feel bad if you don't. <laughs> but think about it. Okay. It's true, and the reason you don't believe it is because you grew up in this country mostly. It's not because it's not logical and not true. It sounds illogical. So, oh, so everyone in an Asian country believes it and they, understands many it? Them, many people, most people say in Tibetan culture, what, what my religion teachers in university used to call a, a gut predisposition, they as, as you believe in God, you know, they may not understand it, they may not know anything about it, but they believe in it, and you believe in God. Probably the object which they believe in doesn't exist any more than God. I mean, their concept of what a past life was may not exist, but they do believe. Because their parents used to talk about it all the time. Uh, and you believe, you have certain beliefs which are crazy, uh, that you just grew up with. You know, God, believing in God. Uh, and I have another few examples. I, I can think of like alcohol, that alcohol is in any way desirable or chic or fun or uh, happy or can have any good result for you. Uh, uh, pornography like that. I can think of that. You know, our culture accepts it. Our culture almost worships it. Uh, on some level or another. It's just harmful. It's just wrong. It shouldn't be. Uh, but, but we grew up, we, we are, we grew up in a culture where we thought, well, it's okay, it's kind of nice in a movie, you know, we just have a few minutes scene, you know. It's, it's wrong. It's harmful. Uh, we have certain predispositions, we have certain beliefs. I mean, a hundred years ago there was a debate, Thomas Jefferson, I mean, 200, I saw the letters, Thomas Jefferson writing letters to Washington or something, are black people humans or not? You know, they were debating, are they animals or humans? You know, it was a serious argument at the time. You know, and, and now we just say, it's crazy. Uh, we don't believe, you have certain beliefs that are just, don't make any sense at all, and you have them because you grew up here. And a hundred years from now, they'll say, boy, those crazy people, they believe in me. It's so silly, you know. Uh, yeah. A little polemic question, maybe. When you were defining the quality of a student, right? You said something very beautiful to me, yeah. saying that a student has to be intelligent because he moves beyond all the beliefs of his group, or his society, or his country, before which... Uh, you can define what's good and what's bad. Yeah, yeah, so... 
it's, so it's not a matter of uh, folkloreism, folkloreism, okay, you know, your group, they believe in reincarnation, so you automatically believe it is more simpler. So here we go, here's the argument, okay? Well, I built it up, man. Okay. Uh, and it comes in the book. He says, you, right now you are, I mean, you're watching me, you are aware of this class. You're thinking about this class. You're thinking about this room. And you're aware of this room. You have a consciousness, you have an awareness of this room. According to Buddhism, that awareness has to come from a cause which was similar, similar stuff. Okay. That's very important, similar stuff. We call Nyerlingyigyu. Uh, it must come, everything must come from a main cause, I'm talking main cause, <coughs> that was made of the same kind of stuff. And, and physicists, Western science people, they agree that matter has to come from matter. Physical things have to come from physical things. They agree with that. They say that physical things are indestructible. They say that, that matter cannot be destroyed. It changes into different shapes. It's John Stilwell today, tomorrow it's dust, <coughs> then it's worm food, then it's bird food, then it's human food, and then it's human food. <laughs> right? Yeah. Same dust, the same dirt. Okay? Matter is indestructible. Matter cannot be destroyed. Western science says that. Um, so, so the stuff of John Stilwell's body has to come from stuff which is physical. And according to Buddhism, that means it has color and shape. For example, uh, what about the stuff of your consciousness? Where does, where did, uh, where did your, where did the, you now are aware of this room? So I asked Frank, you're aware of this room. You have an awareness. Where did that awareness come from? It came from our previous awareness. Yeah, I mean awareness of coming in the door. Which came from awareness of being on this beautiful street out here. <laughs> <laughs> which came from awareness of a subway. Right? It has to. It has to. Well, awareness. then it couldn't just start from when you were born. This is a, again, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. The main, when I'm, when I'm presenting this argument, Right, I have to bring it down to your, the closest belief you have that I can get to. Um, it's very important to believe this argument, you have to separate mind and body. You have to realize that mind and body are completely separate. They are different stuff. Forget it. You can't. You know, you don't think about it. That's your problem. Your mind is invisible. You can't touch it. You can't smell it. You can't cut it. You can't burn it. Nothing. Okay. It. You can put a seed in it, and you can get the result later, which is why you're studying. And you believe that, or you wouldn't be here. You you believe that this invisible thing, that no one can see. I can't see your mind. Uh, you can't see your mind. It's even hard to say where it is. Your mind extends to your arm because if if you pinch yourself, you have feeling, which is a mental, a mental entity. It's mental stuff. Feeling is mental. So my mind must stretch out to around, there's a debate in the Abhidharma, does it go to the end of my fingernails or not? Okay, I mean, it, somehow it's right around here, it stops, okay, right? But I can also think of my office that I was in a few hours ago. So my mind can reach there also. My mind is there too. 
your personal space, as it were. Yeah. So it's very weird. I mean, you the reason you you don't you just don't think much about your mind. You take it for granted. But you can't see it. It's aware. Somehow it's lit up. Somehow it has some kind of energy to to know. And how does that happen? How can it happen? You know, is it part of your body? You know, is it part of the skin or the bones or the eyes? Uh, or is it something that, that stays there for a while? You know, uh, and if you think about it, you'll start to see that. You know, you just don't think much about your mind. That's the point. You know, people don't go in the subway and worry about where's their mind. Right? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> you worry about where's your wallet. You know, <laughs> where your mind is. <laughs> okay. So, hang on. So it's very, it's very subtle. First, you have to realize that your mind and your body are subtle. They're different. Different stuff. Come on. Body you can cut. Body you can burn. Body you can divide. Body you can touch. Stuff, matter you can, but not mind. Mind is totally beyond your reach. You can set off an atom bomb, it won't touch the mind. The mind is beyond matter. The mind is beyond physical stuff. It's free of physical stuff. Wait. So, <laughs> wait, later. I'll, we'll do debating later. Let me present the argument, then you defeat it. Uh, and I don't say, I, I don't believe I can convince you. And the Laman Chemo and the logic text say, this point is difficult, and you cannot perceive it on the first hearing. You have to think about it. At least give it some thought, right? Wherever your thought is, okay? So the argument goes like that. The stuff of your body, and the stuff of the walls, and the stuff of the bricks, and the stuff of the dirt, and the earth is one thing. The stuff of the mind is a different thing. It's different stuff. Wait. And it has to come, it has to come from mental stuff. And what she said. If, if you are thinking now, if you can see me now, if you can think about me now, that thinking came from the thinking you had when you came in the door. And if you meditate like this, it's a very beautiful meditation. If you get good at meditating, if you meditate like an hour a day, and you really get good at shamatha, you can follow your thoughts backwards. Very far. Very far. You know? It's, it's really interesting, uh, because all your thoughts come from associations. Now, why does your mind jump to something next? What causes your mind to go to something next? What determines what your mind goes to next? Uh, it's very interesting, and you can trace that back. If you get good at meditating and very quiet, you can follow your thoughts back a long way, like back to your early childhood, even very far. Uh, even to your birth. Maybe. So, you can, what I'm trying to say is that whatever awareness you have now had to come from awareness. It can't come from stuff. The stuff has to be mental. The stuff that mental stuff comes from has to be mental. There's something alien about these concepts in the West. I mean, this is where soul and spirit come from. No, not really. This is why you come to school. This is why you trust, you believe that your mind is a stream. That's why you send your children to school. If you didn't believe it, if you didn't believe that it's something placed in that stream in first grade will float down to third grade, you know, you wouldn't send it to school. You don't say, I'm sending Johnny to, to school to get a seed put in his mind so it can stream down to third grade and come out. But that's exactly what you believe, or you would not send Johnny to school. You believe that the mind streams on. You believe that. And you believe that you can put a seed in it now and have a result 
in three years or 20 years when he graduates from college, uh, you believe that. Uh, we believe that, or we wouldn't have education. We wouldn't send someone to school. We don't say it that way. We don't say, oh, I'd like to Johnny to have some good seeds put in his mind stream so that, you know, <laughs> 20 years downstream he gets some good results. But you believe it. That's why you, you put him in school. Because you believe they can put some knowledge in his mind that will come out later. The odds, what's that? That's just one in a trillion odds. I'm talking countless. I'm talking countless trillions, of course. Everything has been... Countless times. It's beginningless. Think about it. Well, the only thing new is... You know, when I say beginningless, you tend to think a million years, you know, maybe around uh, Jurassic Park or something. I'm saying beginningless, but then when the I combinations think are infinite. something like this is America... No, no. Like okay, suppose there's a planet. We don't call it America, but there's a Miss America... Or there's a Miss, you know, Zonker contest. Okay? But... But there's been trillions of those, and, and one of them was called America. And there's been trillions of those. It's everything, really. Everything has happened. I have been everything. I've been everything countless times. It didn't help me. I'm still here. I'm still in some stuff. Which is what? Definition, please? It's a bummer. <laughs> no, all I have to prove to you, all I have to prove to you is that this moment of awareness had to come from a moment of awareness from which it turned into. And then the rest is easy. The rest is K. Piece of K. So then, conversely, if you've never had an awareness of something, you can't perceive it. For instance, if we invoke the Buddhists to come into this room, surely they will come. They will be here. We won't have an awareness of that because we've never had an awareness of seeing a Buddha face to face before. Ah, uh, that's a big argument. I don't want to... I mean, I'm, I'm not capable of... Well, I mean, but that's also then limiting as well, that you, you are limited to awarenesses like the kinds that you've had before. That's, that's pretty much... So then how do you get new awarenesses if you haven't had them before? The fly lands on a piece of cow pie. Because he uncircumambulated the stupa by sheer accident. Random circumstances. No, that's a true story. It's not so, so then how does that... Now I'm open for debate. Anyone can how, how does that explain the actual existence of anything then? So, or... We'll get there. Well, I mean, that's a big story. Next week. See, I didn't say four years from now. It's my usual answer. The mind that you were talking before, is it part of the five skandhas? Yeah, five number bits? five. So, I have difficulties there because you say we are the aggregates of five heaps, right? Now, when this thing uh, disaggregates, they go everyone on his own, we are no more. I mean, that's our yeah, But they don't go on their own. You lose the physical part, but the mind continues. And the mind always has five functions with it. Five functions cannot be wiped out of the mind. In the mind. One of them is feeling. If you, if you are thinking, you have feeling. The body. And if you are thinking, you have discrimination. And the senses? Where are the senses? Yeah, even without a physical body, you never, ever stop feeling. 
The skanda is what I call one of those mangled ideas. Okay? <laughs> I mean, when you learn the skanda as well, which is the subject of the first chapter of the Abhidhamma, you know, then you'll realize that half of what you ever heard about them was ridiculous. So what are the other three? Feeling discriminated. It's four. All of them. We'll get to that. The other three. We continue to heard them for. Second chapter. And by the way, the other schools have a different presentation. They say there's like ten. But I can say, for example, Sempa, which is movement in the mind. Anytime the mind moves, the mind is always moving, period. That, in fact, is the definition of karma. Yeah. I want to go back to when you were talking about the physical body coming from physical stuff. Yeah, right? and the mind the comes from mental, mental stuff. stuff. I call it stuff, but yeah. you know it's not Be, stuff. Being you, can't, uh, you can't throw it out. Like being distinct and separate from each other. My concept of physical stuff is that it is comprised of continually smaller and smaller particles down to a, a, a most... Uh, to so your awareness for a Well, to a most subtle level, the most subtle level of energy or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. And at that subtle level of energy is permeating everything, mind, physical body, whatever, and it's at the course level that we identify as physical stuff, and at the subtle level that we identify as mental stuff. The Vaibhashika school, which is the Abhidharma school, tries to say something like that. And we'll get to that. It, it, they do have that argument. So it's not Their definition of ultimate reality is something which can no longer be reduced by the mind. Which is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, you get down to some atom atom Some atom, universal atom, aspect. Some yeah. universal energy down there. And that's actually their belief of what ultimate reality is. We'll get into it next week. Not what you're saying. Not four years from now. Not what you're saying. Yeah, actually the high schools don't, don't accept that. But it, it's such a natural thought that it is a Buddhist position. That that idea is a is very similar to the Abhidharma position. So we don't say it's not useful. It's very useful. And you build on it. But they are not that. It is distinct, separate yeah. items. Yeah, I mean, you can tell. I mean, physical stuff, is, for one thing, it's what we call tobre. It's it's uh, blocks, other objects. Mind doesn't. We can all, you know, I say put, everyone think about this top of this pen and all the minds are there, sitting there. And I can sit, I put up a needle and all our minds can be on the tip of that needle. Fits quite nicely. It's not like the subway, you know. The subway is physical. You know, you get a hundred people in and you're all like that. And this guy's uh, stepping on your feet. Mind is not like that. Mind, think about how different mind is. I mean, you don't think about it. That's, that's the thing. Your mind can go to your childhood. Your mind can immediately go to Alaska, you know. Your mind is, when we started meditating with this Burmese teacher, with the Dalai Lama sent him to teach us. And the first thing he said is, we're going to be here in 10 days. You're going to meditate for all day. You cannot move. Do not think about monkeys. <laughs> so anyway, you know, the first thing that gets in your mind is monkeys. You can't get monkeys. Why do you say that? It's so funny. That's so your mind can go anywhere. So, you know, in terms of what you're saying, though, this is physical stuff. You can touch it. You can. It's, it's we made, call tobre. It's made of molecules. It's made of atoms. So are so are radio waves or whatever. We call that physical. They don't block. You can't touch it. You can't. They do block. Sure, they. They're just very subtle. Interference. That's what I'm talking about. 
Okay, one more argument, then we got to go on. Well, it's, I, I think it's a lot easier to contemplate if you if you think about the other kinds of beings, the non-samsaric beings, the beings in Nirvana and the Buddhas, okay? They don't suddenly become eternal. They've always been eternal. We've always been eternal. It's just that we have the ignorance of thinking that we're not and thinking that we're going through these different uh, characters that we play over and over and over again. And in that sense... It's the same thing, it's just that they've shed that illusion, and we just keep going around and around, not realizing what we really are, or who we really are, in a sense. So don't, you know, don't go too far. Try to, try to, as an exercise, if you, if you want to, uh, so you have like a month and a half off after we finish, which is short. So think about it. I mean, just, just, you could make a meditation of it. You know, if you meditate quietly, you can follow your mind back, and then it becomes more believable to you, because you actually can trace, you get very familiar with how your mind follows certain uh, directions from your past thoughts. Your past thoughts are put in your mind, mental habits, and then you tend, they tend to push your mind, you know, what makes you think of what you're going to think of next? Did you ever wonder? <laughs> you know, it's your past, you know, it's your past awareness. Does the mind remember everything that's ever happened to you? Yeah, there is a stage in Buddhism, in meditation, where you can remember everything you ever experienced. And you can go all the way back. Decide that your mind has been beginningless. After many, many hours of thinking about it, you just fix your mind on it, and you keep it in your mind, and you burn it into your awareness. That's gone. Med the word Tibetan word for meditation means that. But you're making concentration sound more like analytical meditation. It is. It is. So analytical meditation and concentration are the same thing. Contemplation. Contemplation. Yeah. yeah. And then gom. Uh, gom is. In the three steps, right? Meditation in the in the three-step process of learning, Buddhist learning, is just burning it into your consciousness by focusing your mind on it over and over again, bringing it up to your mind over and over again until it's just part of your. It gets internalized. Okay. I call. We'll do two uh, more real fast. Is it appropriate to think in this way? Maybe I read this somewhere. I don't know. That just the fact that nobody suppress your life. Right, means that they are supporting you somehow. Who, who's that? I mean, uh, in, in, in the same line of thinking that everybody is as benefits mm -hmm. your life, as mm -hmm. for they treat you as a mother, treat you her child, or her children, whatever. You can also think, I don't know if it's appropriate, I guess I have read it someplace, that uh, since nobody nobody suppress your life, nobody comfort uh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As for they are supporting yeah. you, so this is the Abhidharma. There is a this reason is for love everybody yeah. because they support your life. That's in the Abhidharma. That is, is correct. It is correct. That's a real teaching. But we'll get into that. It's a little bit different from that, but that is in the Abhidharma. But what I say is, uh, <laughs> what I do say is that if you get good at this, if you walk, I mean, you walk into a store. You see a guy working, and your reaction to him is to think, he's working, isn't he kind? You know? Your reaction to him is very strange. You see a, a kid, you know, cleaning the floor, and you think, he's, he's, ultimately, he's working for me. Isn't he kind? 
You know, you don't see him as working for money. And you don't see him for any other reason. If you get good at this meditation, your, your world changes a little bit in a nice way. And you go into a store, someone's working there, and you think, boy, he's so kind to be working for me. You, know? you go into a bank, and the guy, you go to the desk, and he's writing up a new account for you. And, you, and your reaction is, isn't he kind to be spending his precious life serving me right now? You don't think, oh, I'm paying the money, the bank, the money. He's asked to do it. You know? your, your perception begins to change in a very sweet way. And uh, it's, it's true. Yeah. I mean, in a way, he's giving his life for you. He's there in the bank. It, it's, I'm saying this is a way of looking at it, and it's not uh, incorrect. It's just that we don't tend to think that way. Uh, he, he's giving up his precious lifetime, the prime of his life, and you're one of the people he's serving. And you, you begin to think that way. It's a very weird, it's a very nice, sweet thing. You know? uh, it'll happen, and Michael, you'll see it. Michael, is that like... Uh, Actually, you may have all kinds of thoughts as to why the person is in the bank. They aren't true. It's the karma that's true. So, any uh, thought that you have about why they're in the bank is this sort of fancy anyway, so might as well make it a positive one or a healthy one, right? Well, I guess so. But, but the, the fact is, is that it will happen to you. It will happen to you. I'm not saying go into a bank tomorrow and try to think that way. I'm not saying that. If you get good at this, and it will come. It'll naturally come. You'll go into a bank and you think, or some guy's tailgating you, you'll think, oh, gee, he wants to go somewhere. Let me get out of his way. You know, please. You know, it's a weird reaction. You know, normally you're mad when this guy's trying to bump you. I'll, I'll slow down. You know, and if you get into this kind of thinking, you're like, oh, please, you know, you want to go, please go. You know, it's a, it will happen. And it's very sweet. It's very happy. You get very happy. Okay, chin chin. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to trick you guys into studying Tibetan. You know? I mean, months from now, this will be a Tibetan course. You don't want it. At least we'll, we'll be uh, awake, you know? <laughs> when it happens. Months. Months. Ten, ten. Ten, ten. Ten, ten. Ten, ten. So, Michael, can I just pick up on what you were saying? You said, you know, we shouldn't pretend. We're doing this. Oh, no, but it's not bad to try. My, well, my question was, is my natural tendency is to try to just train myself to think that way. That's not right. pretending. That's is right. there some other approach that no, we should be taking? No, that? that's fine. That's a good approach. Bodhicitta, there is a pre-bodhicitta bodhicitta that they call, I don't know if I mentioned it, it's called sugarcane bodhicitta. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's empty inside and sweet on the outside. So it's just, it's called the chuma. Chuma. Chuma in Tibetan is the word they use for that stupid little uh, white powder milk substitute in the little coffee things. Coffee dream, you know. Uh, what do they call it? Coffee mate. Yeah, coffee mate. It, that, the word is chima. The word refers to that. It means artificial, fake, chemical, you know, all made, not real milk. And there is that kind of body chima. And it's, you have to get that one first, actually. You, you pretend you're a bodhisattva, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get so good at, you know, you get good at pretending it, and then it really happens, it comes true. Well, so that, that you can't be a bodhisattva with trimmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so Jin Jin. Jin means kindness. Jin means uh, remember. Remember her kindness. This is remembering your mother's kindness. And it, I've had, I've seen classes, I've seen many classes, I've seen many people say, I don't like my mother. She wasn't kind to me at all. Yeah, they, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, no, people have that problem. It doesn't refer to whether you like your mother or not. It means whether you like your mother or not. She carried you for nine months, and it hurt, and it was uncomfortable. And when you came out, it ripped her apart. It hurt a lot. Okay, she gave you that for every moment of nine months she carried you, and her whole thought in that during that time is about you. You know, she's thinking, what should I eat? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? You know, is he comfortable or not comfortable? I mean, mostly she's thinking for you. And then when you come out, it hurts like hell. And then after that, she's, she's a prisoner. You know, whether she was a good mother or a bad mother, she was stuck with you, you know. Uh, every, every moment, she can't, she can't go anywhere. I mean, if you have friends who have babies, you know, you used to call them up and say, let's go see a movie, you know. Now they say, forget it, forget it, I gotta watch the kid. You know, and sometimes you can't even finish the conversation. You say, mommy, I need... I gotta go, I gotta go, bye, play. You know, uh, it's true, it's true. So whether your mother is good mother, bad mother, forget it. Normally, a mother is stuck with you for, what, five years, ten years, sometimes fifty years, you know. And and she has no peace. You, you, you... She gives up her life for you. Every moment, for the first few years, forget it. Every, if she can't let you alone and go out for half an hour. They, they arrested somebody yesterday, the day before, for leaving a two-year-old. Uh, you know, they look like normal, you know, yuppies, and they got arrested because they left their kid and went out for a drink. And they arrested them, you know. Uh, you know, that's... No mother, are you? No, so, so however you feel about your present mother, I mean, normally, even animal mothers, uh, it's tremendously painful to have, and, and the, what they gave you was not... There's no one else in this world who will serve you like that. Nobody. You know, there will never be anybody. You might get married or whatever, or you might have a close friend. They're not going to do that for you. you know, they're not going to give up every moment of their life and serve you for years. You know, forget it. There, there's only one who does that. And uh, that's Jinjin. Okay. I'm putting these three together because they're they come together. Jin So. Okay. Jin So. I remember the night my mother died and I and I had the distinct feeling in my mind that I, the only person in this world who cares more about me than me just died. You know? I, I had that distinct uh, feeling I, I just lost a person who loves me more than I love you. Who's worried more about my future than I am, you know? And the only person. You know, I remember that feeling. Okay, Jinso, Jinso. Uh, we pay, we pay kindness. Jin means kindness, and so means pay it back. Number three. It means this: if she helped you like that. And she, there's this thing in Buddhism called a fire pit, it's like a big barbecue pit. It's a huge hole, and underneath it has coals. Just red embers. Coals. And you're standing there, and your mother, and you're looking down, and she falls down. She falls in. Then, then would you, would you move or not? You know what I mean? I mean, would you, would you, would you try to get her out or not? She's, I mean, the minute she lands on the coals, she's nowhere to go. Hot coals, burning coals. She steps. She can't. She can't get out. I mean, would you? No, I mean, would you? Would you do something? You know. I mean, if there were ten people there, who will jump first? Who will try to help her first? If it's not you, you're crazy. 
you know, if you say, oh, if you, oh, oh you know, it's somebody coming help my mother, you know. <laughs> I mean, the responsibility is yours. You know, she, she served you. You have this relationship with her. You have to help her. Uh, you're the one who has to, has to try to jump down and try to help her. You know, it's not like you're going to wait, you know, and say, oh, call the police, you know, I need someone to help. If you know, if you've been thinking about how kind she was, you will jump. You will do something, and you won't wait for somebody else. You'll do it yourself. Uh, that's Tinsel. So in the you know you know Western country where uh, the top of the say you know the psychology they were telling a lot of weird things about the mother and the father and we absorb and all this. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's it doesn't weigh one pound against the tons of time she gave you. You know what I mean? The, all these little psycho traumas you had or whatever, forget it. I mean, think about someone serving you day and night, moment by moment, for years and years. Uh, you know, that's the fact of it, and it's obvious. So anyway, she's down there. She's burning. Uh, is she, are, are, are your other mothers in that situation now or not? Are, like, is the guy you meet on the street, let's say my boss, who's quite comfortable, I mean, he brought a crane to put his jacuzzi up to the penthouse that he bought. You know, I remember the, the debates we had in the office, you know, like, how are we going to, which crane should we rent, you know? He's got to get the jacuzzi up to the, up to the penthouse, you know, it's a big problem. And, uh, we had that argument, we had that uh, talk, you know. So he's comfortable. Uh, he's been my mother. He is my mother, okay. Um, is he in fire? He's worse. I mean, he's much worse. Much worse than Shire. But no, he's in samsara. He is samsara. He is his own samsara. You know, he, he must die. He must reach a point where he can no longer make any contact with anything he knew before. It's, it's an interesting idea. He'll go across a certain line, and everything he knew before, his wife, his kids, the building we bought, his business, his money, his, his car, his jacuzzi. When he crosses that line, which he must, when he just crosses that line, it's all black. He can't see anything. It's just black. He loses his face. He loses his body. He loses his name. He's in some kind he loses of darkness. His concept of himself as what he he's, was. He's, yeah. yeah. You can't he's even just remember. Totally, you can't he, wake he, up and he just crosses that line like that, and he's gone. And he, the sad thing is, he can't turn around and see any of it, you know? He can't even re remember very clearly, because the death wipes out your, your... It wipes out the, the surface consciousnesses. So, so he can't even... He's in some blackness, he's very scared. At that point, your, your energy of your body is, is uh, short-circuiting, you know, and you're hallucinating. Everyone normally hallucinates at that point. So he's confused, he's frightened. Everything's black, he can't remember anything, he doesn't remember who he is. And he can't turn around and, he can't even remember or see what he was. And he's just gone. And uh, he's in that fire. He, he is in that fire now. And if he was my mother, then I should try to help him. I should try, at the, at the risk of my life, I should try to help him. That's Chinsong. Yeah. Michael, uh, on 
I think this is a good time to mention. Real help doesn't mean throwing yourself in there and burning them too, right? It means intelligently figuring a way of getting them out, number one. And number two, can't we, can't we translate this third meditation as developing the uh, wish to repay the kindness of all the mothers that you've had? Sure, why not? Is that the way to translate this? Yes. Okay. Okay. So those are, now I ask you a question, are those three cause and effect? Does, does number one cause number two? Yeah. yeah. If you don't think he's your mother, you're not going to think about what he did for you. So number one causes number two. To think about what he did for you, my boss, what he did for me, I have to think about, I have to believe he was my mother. And to, and to want to pay back what he did for me, what do I have to think? I have, no, I have to think what he did for me. Okay? If I don't think he did anything for me, I won't think, oh, look, he took care of me every moment for years. You know, I should take care. I should do something for him. I have a responsibility to help him. He was my mother. I, it's my job to help him. So those are cause and effect. The first three are cause and effect. We'll see next, after T, how those three cause number four. Also, in the literature, quite often, uh, sentient beings are referred to as all the mother beings, for this yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah mother beings. Have some, have some cookies. Good. Champa means love. <coughs> Champa means love. Sanskrit is Maitra. My, that's the word Maitreya comes from. In fact, Maitreya is called Champa. His name means love. Maitreya is the next Buddha. Didn't come yet. Shakyamuni was the last one. My chair is number four. Champa. I have a, a, a question. The third Buddha, like, uh, how is it we don't know anything about him and what he told us? We have it in the current. We have his books. We have some of his books. Uh, and actually, there's a million before that. I mean, just in this era. So, Yuong, Yuong means uh, pretty or lovely. <coughs> There's two kinds of jampa. Jampa means the definition of jampa. The definition of jampa. But the definition of love in Tibetan is the emotion where you you're obsessed that this person should get what makes him happy. The obsession to make another happy. The obsession to give a person what will make him happy. And it's, so it's, therefore, the, in this sense, obsession is, doesn't have a negative No, it's, it's a very positive. It's like an obsession that you, you, you must give him what he wants. You must give him what makes him happy. You want to give him all the good things. This is what the definition of love, and you will study that in uh, And this gets back to what Tom was talking about before, which is something that troubles me, is that very often what people want is not what they need. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, people might want to then Ultimately happy. Well, but, I mean, you can get less extreme than that. I mean... Yeah. Well, uh, in, in Buddhist scriptures, it is stated that, I mean... All the lower types of charity, giving, are are actually harmful. I mean, if I give you a cookie for the break, 
mean, it, it doesn't help. It's not better for you. It's actually loaded with cholesterol. Just more. <laughs> no, it's not just that. It's just more samsara. You know, it's not really helping you. But but at the beginning, you give people that because it attracts them. No, you but I mean, what if I mean, somebody's in. begging on the street and they <laughs> and they're addicts or they just don't want to work or whatever and you give them money and they go off and they do whatever with it and you know that, yeah. that that's yeah, it's happen. a difficult question I've um, seen many people sure. ask my mom and I question uh, you're not allowed you as a give Buddhist. them clothes in the cold weather and they go off and sell them I've had this happen but what yeah, is your motivation but as a Buddhist you're not allowed to give them anything that they can help themselves with like if someone will ask for a gun or ask for poison and they want to commit suicide you're not allowed to that's true. But you have to use wisdom. You know, you have to see how much of that is just your laziness that you don't want to give that something. Uh, you know what I mean? You got to balance it well. I know you're going to tell your little time. Little time. No time. Okay. You own. You own means lovely. These are. There are several kinds of jumpa. This kind of jumpa means where you look at people and they seem as attractive to you as if you were a mother. And they were your only son. Or oh, their only. Your. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> if you waited like another 15 minutes. <laughs> no. Thanks. Uh, it's good that you came in here. So, but here's a chair here. You want to sit? Um, Go to that this kind of jumper or this kind of you? This kind of jumper. Jumper means love. You all means when you look at a person, you automatically like him as much as if he was your son or your daughter. Your only son or your only daughter. Your immediate reaction to anybody you meet, when you look at them, you feel like you feel like you love this person. He's very, very you see these ugly uh, murderers on TV, you know, every night almost, you know, this guy, you know, and he just shot 30 people, and the police are leading him his way, and they interview the mother, and they say, tell us about your son. He's a good boy. Really, you see it almost every night. It's, it's funny. You know, I mean, they have this insane uh, love for their children, you know, and they're just... Michael, again. Again, this Eric Berner, right, the guy who wrote the transactional analysis, he said the scientists have found out that in the brain of every human being, every time that you meet someone, you have one of the six typical reactions. Killing, fighting, uh, being friends, having sex, I don't know, so... Buddhism says the same thing. Buddhism says a similar thing, but I don't want to get into it. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. So Yohan Jamba is, is this kind of insane love that a mother has for a son. I mean, it's just a reaction you have. When you see somebody, they look pretty to you. They look lovely to you. They look very attractive to you. No matter how ugly they are, okay? They, so is that repaying kindness? No, it's number four. No, but I meant three or four. <laughs> oh, the whole first three, it's, it's explained this way, okay? It's not so and you got to write that down because that's part of the question. The first three cause number four. The first three as a group. Cause number four. So if everybody adopted this, all the cosmetics companies would go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> right? well, definitely the gun companies would go out of business. So <laughs> the weapons makers. What's the whole meaning of number four? It means you love people like they were your son. If you, in the future, you have a son, your only son, you're not going to have any more children. It's your only son. You love him like that. When you look at him, he looks so beautiful. You 
then you have that towards everyone. That's that's what mothers. I thought you were seeing everybody as your mother. They made your son too, right? <laughs> okay, you want to jump on. Next one is. Is treating your son or your mother? Now the way a mother looks upon their only is it, does it have to be son or is that child. something Asian say child or uh, is it uh, son child. or daughter? He asked me that in the last class. He asked me that in the last class, and I said, "Look, if you've ever lived, Nitya's lived in India, right? You've lived in India. Yeah. In India." A son is, is, you can't understand how important, it's not crazy, it's not sexism, it's money, it's economics. You sell the girl to her husband, you know, you have to pay to have the girl taken care by the husband. The, the boy can farm, he can carry stuff, he can, he can do all the dirty, heavy physical work, he is social security. There is no social security in India. If you do not have a son, it's almost certain that when you get older you will be destitute. And that's the way it works in Asia. So it's not, it's not, uh, it's that only a son can get a, a good paying job. That's sexist. Okay? But and if you get old and you don't have a son, you can just forget it. You're going to be destitute. It's just normal in India. In, in, and you've got to go there to see it. There's all these old people who say, oh, my son died and I, I, the daughter-in-law is not supposed to take care of me. So the way a mother looks upon her social security. That's why sons, sons are precious, and partly, partly <laughs> because it's, it's they're walking social security. What's behind that? Where I read that Buddhist said that if he accepted nuns, they would cut Buddhism in half. That it would reduce the. The length of the Dhamma. I don't know precisely. I haven't studied that very well. You know, you hear things that stick in your mind that are not in the five great books. Is I mean, that not the It book is in, book? no, it is in this. It is in Buddhist book, teachings. It's in that book yeah. that says what yeah. the Buddha Yeah, it, I believe that is a Buddhist teaching. Now, why exactly? I don't want to, I don't want to speculate right now. I don't know exactly. Because it wouldn't be enough social security. <laughs> I believe it has to do with the proximity of monks and nuns. That if, that that would make right. it more difficult for monks to keep their house. I assume that's what it means. You know. But I don't know for sure. Okay. Name Jay Chambu. Is this fine? Yeah. We're going to paraphrase this. Oh, it's in the book, right? Yep. By the way, it's a little spread out in the book. You'll have to read a few pages. Oh, no. The whole section is only 13 pages. So oh, okay. Say Ninja. 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 Ninja is a beautiful word. Ninja means heart. J means Lord. Lord of hearts. Lord of hearts. What does it mean? What's the What's the highest emotion? It's It's compassion. That's Karuna. Karuna. Ninja. Compassion. And Chambo means great, big, Mahakarina. What's the difference between Jamba and Ningje? Uh, Lin had a you had a reaction to the definition of love. What do you which is the desire to give them everything good? What do you guess is the de definition of compassion? 
that you wish everything good for That's love. Love wants to give. Compassion okay. well, wants to take away all their suffering. That's the definition of compassion. You'll get there when you study the perfection of wisdom, okay. which is the next course. So, selling point. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the meaning? Uh, great compassion. But what is compassion? Compassion wants to take away the problems of other people. Love wants to give them the nice things. But compassion wants to take away the problems. There's a big debate here in the long run text. It says, this is the wrong order. You don't give somebody dinner and then take them out of the fire. <laughs> right? You get them out of the fire and then you, then you give them dinner. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and the reason for presenting it this way is that the Lama says, well, don't forget I said you. You. You means what? Pretty. Beautiful. Okay? If you don't see the person as beautiful, you won't want us to get them out of the fire. That's why love comes before compassion in this teaching. Sometimes it's reversed. Sometimes compassion has to come before love. Because you've got to get somebody out of trouble before you give them good stuff. The chembo, the big, there's, there is compassion and then there's big compassion. Okay. There's compassion, there's regular compassion, and then there's yes, big no. compassion. And we'll study that in uh, the, the Abhidhamma first. Okay. Which is Hinayana or Mahayana? <coughs> Abhidhamma schools. Hinayana. 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 They have the best presentation of compassion you'll ever see. So, you know, be careful about this Hinayana Mahayana stuff. I mean, don't get too caught up in it. Western people get caught up in that. I mean, they have wonderful teachings on, on compassion. The best ones you'll ever see are in the Hinayana text. Alright. <laughs> Does it mean that Hinayana practitioners aren't very compassionate? Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> just means they don't aspire to Just don't stay in the house and work for you know. <laughs> 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 Based on experience? This is number six. Uh, seven bucks. What, we're up yeah, to six. 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 Yeah. Six. The last one was five. I'm sorry. Anyway. Right. Oops. We'll see why I made the mistake shortly. And we all knew that that was uh, number seven. Yeah, yeah. Six, Maybe I should teach you the numbers. <laughs> 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 Say, Haksam. I love this word. I love this word. It means, Haksam uh, means extraordinary thought, extraordinary state of mind. Thought from the gods, huh? No, this is Hak. Hak means special or external. Not related. No, no relation. Maybe ultimately a million years ago. Haksam. Second Jurassic Park. Thought. Yeah. Sam means state of mind. Nandak means totally pure. Totally pure. Totally pure, extraordinary state of mind is what? Yeah. Dark means pure, Nam means totally. It's not bodhicitta yet, it's only number six, right? Um, Paksam Nandak does not, the word does not explain what it means. What it means is this. 
it means I will I will get bodhicitta and I will serve other people and I will work to help other people and I don't care if no one else helps me. It's like this personal responsibility. I will save the people around me and I don't care if nobody helps me. I'll do it myself. I'll take on the responsibility myself, myself for, for all of it. Man. Yeah. So really it's agreeing to do the work before you get bodhicitta, is it? Yeah, it's some kind of emotion where you say, I, I just don't care if nobody helps me. I'm going to do it. It's before Bodhicitta. I do it myself, yeah. It's a cause for Bodhicitta. It's the direct cause for Bodhicitta. It's what turns into Bodhicitta. I'll do it myself. I, everyone around me, I, I won't wait for somebody else. I'll do it myself. I'll make them a Buddha. Why? Why, why is it that the boy at the fire pit had to grab the mother? Because it was the mother. It's his mother. Right. It's his mother. He's not going to wait for the cousin or the or the uncle or the. I mean, the he has the he owes the debt. It's it's he who benefited from her action. She's the one who worked for him. They have this relationship now, this karma between them. It's his duty to help his mother. And how many mothers you have? Count. <laughs> so every single person you meet. You are like the sun at the edge of the fire. It's your responsibility. It's, it's, it's actually, karmically, your business to help them. It's, it's, your, it's your debt. It's your responsibility. And if nobody even helps you. And I say one more thing, you know, even further. You will see that as you try, you'll even get uh, people even uh, hurt you. You know what I mean? You, you try to help people. I mean, you, you have that experience, you know, mother cooks a good dinner and the husband comes home and says, this tastes like, you know, and she just spent three hours cooking it, you know, and all she wanted was to serve him, you know, and to make him happy. And he comes home and says, you know, I didn't like this, I want something else, you know. So what I mean is, it's also tied up with not getting discouraged. It means not not being discouraged, even when the people, the very people you are trying to help, uh, hurt you, or try to hurt you for helping you. Then somebody said in the other class, what about Jehovah's Witnesses? Sounds like Jehovah's Witnesses, you know. They keep trying to help you, and all you want to do is... No, not like that. I mean help like, uh, it's nice, you know, I always say a Bodhisattva will never go out of business. There's always somebody who needs something. There's always somebody who wants something. It's a very pleasant uh, occupation, if you get into it. If all you want to do is give to other people, you'll never run out of customers. You know? It's great. Everybody will take from you. You know? It's, it's a great occupation. Everyone you meet needs something. You know? So, give them what they need. Give them what they want. As far as you can. Pays the bills, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. People <laughs> yeah. Um, there's an extraordinary emphasis in Mahayana Dharma, you know, especially in like when people first start learning about bodhicitta, and this is, I think, perhaps the epitome of it, this right here. It's not bodhicitta. It's the cause of bodhicitta. Yes, the development of bodhicitta, the epitome of you know wanting to take on the responsibility of uh, helping everyone. It seems as if you know the higher states of existence, Nirvana, for instance seem to be quite thoroughly devoid 
of this kind of compassion unless generated first while you're down on this level. I mean, like, as if there's a danger of saving yourself and then just being quite content and not having the slightest thought for everybody else back here. We'll get to that. There's a whole teaching on it. Yeah. And we'll get to it. I mean, is that is that? No, it'll come. Is yeah. that something that's yeah? Now it's not, but it's not. It's gonna come. It will come. And it's the very interesting question of what is the mechanism that gets somebody out of nirvana onto a bodhisattva track. What is it that triggers that? What could make you want to be a bodhisattva if you're already in Fat City? You know what I mean? And there's a very beautiful teaching. Okay, we'll get there. By the way, that's why I kind of don't like to see the translation uh, universal responsibility for bodhicitta, because really it's it's the step before that which is really, the, you know, it kind of would confuse you. Universal responsibility. Some people say that for, for the number seven. Actually, number six is that feeling of responsibility. It's the cause of bodhicitta. Number seven is Jungsam, you know it. Lam number one. Two. Two. Principal path number two. Principal path number two. Alright. Obviously that's a result of this of this kind of thought. I I will save them myself. And that's then finally you get this real wish that I what, how is this different from this? Not really. I mean, that's, that is a division that comes later in, inside of Johnson. But this is more thinking, I'll take responsibility, and at this point you understand, I must become a Buddha. Conclusion. Yeah, because only a Buddha can really help you. It's the perfection of the latter. Huh? Yeah. When I become a Buddha, it's interesting, a definition of the Buddha, one of the definitions of the Buddha, is Dunyipuntong, which means the minute you become a Buddha, this is very interesting philosophically, and it's presented in the opening lines of the Paramahartika. Year three is section four. Year four. That you, the minute you become a Buddha, you have achieved everything that other people need. So there's horrible debate in the monastery now. Wow, then there's no poor people? What are you talking about? If when you become a Buddha, you automatically achieve everything that everyone else needs. It's a difficult point. I mean, I'm not going to go into it. You have to go out and distribute it, then. A Buddha, by becoming a Buddha, has completely filled everything he needs, and he has completely filled everything anyone else needs. It's very interesting. It's the ultimate in philanthropy. It's the perfection of, I mean, it's like... By becoming a Buddha. Breathing this one you want to. This one I, I, I also agree. I'm not clear on the distinction, to be honest. But I believe that in this one, you, you haven't quite stressed that you have to become a Buddha. By this one, you understand that you have to become a Buddha. So it's you, you are, Remember that definition of Bodhicitta? What was it? Buddha No, definition. Do you need a It's got two dumbas. It's got two wishes. One is focused on other people, helping other people, and one is focused on becoming a Buddha. I think this one is obviously focused on helping other people, but it, I would say it kind of lacks that idea that, oh, I better become a Buddha so I can really help other people. That's number seven. 
Well, because you don't know exactly how it is. That right, how to do it. Also, I think a six has more perseverance, like don't give up kind of thing. It has both of those ideas. Not giving up in the face of even resistance from other people. I mean, you'll be, you can get disappointed. There's stories about Bodhisattvas. There's a famous Bodhisattva in India. I, I forgot his name. He was one of the greatest uh, Buddhist scholars of, of the time. He was like in the class of Nagarjuna. And uh, he, he was walking down the road and this demon appeared as a human being. He said, give me your, if you're a Bodhisattva, give me your eyeball. And so he said, okay. And he reaches in. You know, try it. <laughs> he, go, he puts his fingers in and takes out his eye and gives it to him. And then the guy takes the eye and says, thank you very much. And he goes like that and he stamps on it. He smashes it. You know? And then he turns into a demon and says, ha ha, I fooled you. <laughs> and um, at that moment, that, that Bodhisattva, he, for a moment he lost his Bodhisattva. There's that story that he, he got discouraged. You know, he said, you know, if people are so evil and so crazy, as to ask me for my iron and destroy it because I'm a bodhisattva. It's too much. I, I can't take it. You know, I can't handle these people. And he, he lost his bodhisattva for a second. And um, then he regained it later. Yeah, isn't, didn't yeah. we learn last time that even that you can't lose yeah. it, that the attitude is so powerful? <laughs> 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 Which is my we'll question. Get into it. Is, is number six uh, someone who's still capable of being discouraged, and number seven is beyond? Uh, is, not that necessarily. A is that a There's distinction? There's that story. I mean, we'll discuss it when we get to the... Also, that, uh, six seems like you, you don't lose. You persevere. You want to you wanna help everyone. And seven, you're it. You've that's it. You've the you, wish. You, you, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. you have that true wish. But it's, my point is that it's focused at Buddhahood. You understand what you have to do. At number six, at number six, you're still... You've agreed to do it, but you're not quite sure what to do. And number seven, you're already focused on Buddhas. Oh, yeah, the way I can really help this. It's the effect of... Yeah, by the way, number seven is an effect. It is the last result in that seven. Yeah. So number seven is you have what achieved. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a cause, right? It still becomes a cause for something bigger. But that is the... If you drew a cause and effect, it would be at the end of the food chain, right? I mean, that's the only result, the pure result. Okay. we got one more thing to talk about that you want can you just quickly say the cause and effect of those seven months together? I knew you'd ask me that. Uh, number three caused number four. Yeah, I'm sorry. All th uh, the first three caused number four. Number four causes number five. Number five, six, and number six, seven. And you, you know, it's obvious. You, you think about. It. Okay, one more. Do we have one more? We have one more? We have one more to go. You did seven. Seven parts? How many steps? Seven. This is... Number zero. When they give this teaching, they always say, to get number one, you you got to have a big preparation step. There's a preparation step that comes before all seven. You've got to have something else before you can have this, even number one of the seven. 
I kind of forgot to do it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep you in that balance. To be honest, I, mean, I have to tell the truth in the room. I can lie at work, but I gotta tell the truth. <laughs> okay. You were a kid. Say it. No, I, honestly, I forgot. Tanya, I remembered about number two, and I thought it's silly to go to zero now. <laughs> okay, say Tanya. Tanyam is equanimity. Equanimity. An equal mind. All the people you see, you feel the same. If you see someone you like, or if you see someone you don't like, or if you see someone you don't care about, you don't like him, you don't hate him, you don't feel anything. You know, you meet him on the bus, you don't care. Um, it's where you, you try to reach this state of mind where you're not biased. You don't like this person more than this person. You try to make it equal. Equal feeling towards everybody. Does it mean equal bad feeling towards everybody? No. I mean, it means like, try to make your feelings, if you see her, or if you see her, you pretty much feel the same. You don't feel, oh, I like her better, you know? And, and, and the reason you can guess, tell me the reason. Because if the product is equal, you can't take the wrong Well, that's one thing, but... But uh, because you, because your whatever thought you have now had to come from the top before, please. Why does that prove? Why does it prove yeah. Why does it prove that you should be equal to everybody? Because everybody's been your mother. Everything's been every. Everybody's been everything. Give me a break. You know. You've killed me a hundred times. You've killed me a million times. You burned my fingers off a million times. You know. You did every nasty thing to me I can imagine. And you've also been my best friend millions of times. You've been my mother millions of times. 